Today we are in part three of our series entitled Strong, talking about strategies for every season of life. And today I want, the title of my message is Finish Strong. So no matter what season you're in, no matter where you find yourself at today, the reality is that we all could utilize some strategies from Scripture that will help us to move forward in our life. In fact, I want to share with you a story I just heard recently. Uh, There were a group of Americans that were traveling in France, and they were on a bus tour. And uh, how many of you have ever taken a bus tour somewhere? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. They were on a bus tour through France, and they were going through Paris, checking out all the sights and all the sounds that France had to offer. And they came up to this little uh, town area where it was known in this factory for their famous France goat cheese. Anyone like goat cheese? I hate goat cheese. I don't like goat cheese at all, but I did spend a little bit of time in Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin cheese. I like macaroni and cheese. I like grilled cheese. I like hamburgers with cheese. I like cheese on a lot of things. Cheese just makes things a little bit better. Uh, But at this specific situation, they were on this bus tour, and they were touring this little factory that was known for its goat cheese, and they kind of went into the store and kind of were able to sample some of the different types of cheeses that they had available there at the store. And after they kind of went through the store, through this uh, bus tour, the guide led them outside through the back, and they saw these rolling hills with all of these goats that were out on in the pasture, just just eating grass out in the pasture. And one of the American tourists uh, asked the tour guide, said, "Hey, what are all these goats doing out here? What are they all? What are they out here for?" And and uh, and the the tour guide, who was also a farmer's wife, said, "Well, these this is what we do with all of the old goats who stop producing." Uh, milk, and we take them out here to pasture and to let them graze and, and do that. And, and then she turned to the Americans and she said, what do you do in the United States with all of the old goats that stop producing over there? And, and, uh, and, and an old general, older gentleman in the back said, hey, they send us on bus tours is what they do. And so today I want you to know, church, I don't know what season you find yourself in, if you're an older season or you're a younger season. Here's what I want you to know. You're not an old goat. You haven't stopped producing. God has something more for you to do as long as you are alive, as long as you're kicking, as long as you got breath in your lungs. You have an assignment from the Lord, a a mandate from the Lord to continue to press forward and fulfill everything that God has for you. And I want to encourage you to go and take hold of it today. It doesn't matter if you're retired doesn't matter if you're a single parent, doesn't matter if you're married, doesn't matter if you have kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. God wants every one of us here today to learn what it means to finish strong. So I want you to turn to your neighbor today. I want you to tell him, never stop producing. And then I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, you better listen because he's talking to you. Well, come on. Church, if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this main point of what I'm going to be preaching about today from God's Word. We're going to look at the life of Paul the Apostle. And in his life, he gives us an example of what it means to finish strong. As I teach God's Word today, I want you to get this one message. Starting strong will get you moving, but finishing strong will get you rewarded. I want to say that again. Starting strong will get you moving, But finishing strong will get you rewarded. 
Now, I don't know if you've heard about Paul the Apostle. I don't know if you understand his life, his background, his story. But he was a young man who grew up as a, a Jewish boy and, and became very educated on Jewish customs and, and the Word of God, uh, the Old Testament, and really learned all of the law of God's Word really, really well, so much to the point that he became a Pharisee. And in his time and day, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee above all other Pharisees. He knew the word of God. He was devoted to this mission in his life. So devoted, in fact, that he decided to persecute the Christian church at the time, even to the point of putting many Christians to death. Now, one day the Bible talks about his story, and he, he uh, went on this road to Damascus. And as he was on his journey, as he was moving forward to continue to persecute the Christian church at the time, God showed up. God showed up with a blinding light, blinded him, and changed his life forever, and changed the trajectory of his life. And he was going this way, persecuting Christians. Now he was on fire for the Lord, determined to fulfill his mandate to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Became a minister of the gospel, uh, built so many churches, one of the greatest church builders um, of all times, and one of our fathers of our Christian faith. Paul didn't start strong, but Paul finished strong. He didn't start strong, but he finished strong. And he says this towards the end of his life. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. Someone say fought. I have finished the race. Someone say finished. I have kept the faith. Say kept. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, someone say all, who have longed for his appearing. Now Paul said, here is what he said. He said, because I'm running the race that God has called me to run, because I'm finishing it well, because I'm moving forward in what God's plan is for my life, there is a reward in store for me one day when I stand before God in heaven. Because I have finished strong, I will receive a reward because of what I've done. Let me say it again. Starting strong will get you moving, but finishing strong will get you rewarded. I want to share three ways today through the Apostle Paul's life and his teaching that shows us how do we finish strong. So first, how do we finish strong? We need to be a spiritual father or mother. Titus, the book of Titus, was a book that Paul the Apostle wrote to one of his young disciples named Titus. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 4, he says this. He says, I'm writing to Titus, my true son in the faith, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. So he's talking to Titus, his young disciple, and he says, this is my true son in the faith. He said that why? Because he had invested in this young man. He had poured out of his life into this young man to help him experience more of what God wanted him to do. He helped him grow up in his faith. He helped him to experience more of what God had for his life. He gave him counsel, correction, wisdom, and direction in his life to help him move forward in everything that God had for him. He was a spiritual father to this young man named Titus. And I believe that God has called us to be spiritual fathers and mothers to have a huge impact on the next generation. Because of Paul's impact on Titus, he allowed Titus to advance the kingdom of God more in the region in that time and day. 
So I want to share a little bit of my story. I grew up in Pittsburgh, PA, on the west end of Pittsburgh, and in a low-income housing project there. And growing up, there were six of us, six, brother, six brothers and sisters, and a mom and a dad, and we lived in an area where there was a lot of violence, there was a lot of drugs, uh, a lot of those things were going on in our life. Um, we lived in a small four-bedroom apartment in a row house complex. There were these row houses of row houses of row houses that were there, about 15 or so apartments in each row building. Uh, so much so to where you know, you're really, really close to your neighbor. Uh, we had roaches, and I remember being embarrassed because I didn't want my friends to come over to my house and see that we had a roach problem there in our house. And, and I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but no matter how much you try to bomb those suckers, they just keep coming out. And uh, because we were so close to our neighbors, we would bomb and we would bomb and bomb and try to get rid of these things, and it seemed like they, would, uh, they were just, they had eternal life. I don't know what it was. They must have been close to Jesus. Uh, because they didn't seem to want to go away. And, and uh, so growing up, we were in that environment. My parents worked really, really diligently to try to get us out of that environment. But it was, it was very hard on them. We were on welfare. And uh, this was back in the day when you had food stamps. And, and I remember my mom and dad giving me food stamps to go to the store and buy things. And I'm like, Mom, why are you going to do that to me? And put me on blast. I'm out here buying Food at the grocery store with food stamps. I'm a teenager. Like, that's, that's what you want to have in your hand when you're doing that. And, and, and it was one of those seasons in my life where I grew up. It wasn't until about 18 years old where we actually were able to get out. But I'll never forget one day growing up there. Uh, I was a teenager at the time, was getting ready for school, was getting dressed, got my shower, got ready for school. And I remember opening up the door to, to go outside. And all of a sudden, there was the drug enforcement agency outside of my house. Uh, outside of our, our building, and they had flashlights. They were right aiming next door. And I remember a flashlight came to me like this, and he said, get back in the house. And I said, I got to go to school. <laughs> and he says, go to school later. I was like, yes, I'm going back to bed. Teenager, I ran back in the house, jumped in the bed. Well, I couldn't go back to sleep because they kicked down the door about 10 minutes later to my neighbor's next door who was a crack dealer. Kicked down his door, and I remember hearing screaming and yelling, get on the floor, get on the floor, get on the floor, all of this stuff. After circumstance after circumstance of that, my mom and dad really got to a point where they were like, we need to get our children out of this. We need to get our family out of this environment. And they worked really, really hard. My dad worked job after job after job to try to get the finances that we could to put, put a security deposit down on a, on a house that was outside of that environment. It wasn't until I was 18 years old um, that we were able to, to get out of that environment, and my brothers and sisters were able to have a much better experience. Uh, I'm the oldest of six, but the, the much better experience there uh, in, uh, in our family and in that area. And I, I remember growing up in that neighborhood, I had many friends who didn't have dads around. Now, I was the lucky one, um, blessed one, because my father was still in the home. And my dad had grown up. He didn't have a father figure in his life. His dad was not around. And he was determined not to put his children through what he had went through. And he was determined that he was going to stick by this woman. He was going to be a dad. He was going to do the best that he could to raise us in the way that we needed to go. And he was a stickler on education. And there were a, a, a lot of great things that, that as a teenager you take for granted from your parents. You don't realize what you have until it's gone. 
you know. And uh, I remember my best friend, uh, Reggie, it was his name at the time. Uh, it's still Reggie, but Reggie, when he was, <laughs> he didn't change it. Uh, but Reggie, he, we grew up, we were best buds, we hung out all the time, uh, we rode our bikes everywhere, did everything together. And I remember one day Reggie turned to me and he said, Rob, I wish your dad was my dad. And Reggie had grown up uh, without a father in his home. He didn't have that father figure in his home. And, and I'm thinking, Reggie, you don't know my dad like I know my dad. If you knew my dad like, you knew my, like I know my dad, you would not want my dad as your dad. And, uh, but what I didn't know is that Reggie was longing to have that father figure in his life because his dad wasn't around. And anytime Reggie would hang out at our house, my dad would encourage him. My, get, my dad would speak life in him. He would speak potential into what Reggie could be. And, and I look at Reggie today, and today Reggie has his master's degree, and he's working in social work. And this young man who didn't have a father figure in his home is ministering and, and, and pouring life into a lot of the same families that both he and I grew up in in that neighborhood in that day. And I can't help but think that my dad somehow influence Reggie in some way to help him become where he is today. Because he, my dad, although I didn't know it at the time, my dad was a spiritual father to my buddy. He was a spiritual dad to a young man who didn't have that father figure in his life. So how, how do we become spiritual fathers and mothers? How do we become like Paul the Apostle who had this Titus and poured into his life to help him accomplish more of what God had for him? Titus helped, uh, Paul helped Titus grow in his faith. How do we help people move forward in their faith spiritually? I love this. God has created all of us with unique, unique experiences, with life uh, challenges, with things that have happened in our life. And he's allowed that to happen uh, in our life so that we can begin to minister out of that, so that we can help teach the younger generation God's way. Job 12.12 says this, I love this, Wisdom belongs, belongs to the age and understanding to the old. Hear me, church, you have wisdom and understanding that the young generation needs. Just like my friend Reggie, and my dad, I don't, I don't know how old you are. My dad wasn't that old. He, he was older than Reggie, but he wasn't that old. And he had this ability to pour into him. So, so those of you who are maybe in your later years of life, you have something to pour in to that younger generation. And those of you who may be more my age or you may be a little bit younger, there's a, there's a teenage boy or there's a teenage girl that you can be pouring into spiritually being a father or mother to them to help them accomplish everything that God has called us to do. Teach from your experience, what you've lived, what have you, you experienced that, that allows you to have wisdom to, and, and to, you can share with them. Share them insights. Share, share those insights with those people. Teach from your mistakes. What are some of the relational mistakes that you made? Be like, boy, you don't want to do that. Bro, I didn't live that. You don't want anything to do with that. What are some of your financial mistakes that you wish if you could go back that you could change, share those. Well, Pastor Rob, you don't understand. I don't want to share my mess. Your mess will help somebody else avoid that mess. So understand that your mess can be a blessing to somebody else. Teach from the basics of life. Right now, my daughter is uh, she's, she's about to turn 16 years old. And uh, we are in a season where she's babysitting a lot. And I'm like, I wish I made that much money. 
when I was a teenager. And she's babysitting, has all these babysitting jobs. And we realized real quick, okay, we need to help you learn how to manage your money. Number one, because you're a teenager and you don't know how to manage it yet. And so I was like, I need to help you figure out how to do this. And so she's, she's gathering all of these finances up and said, okay, here's what you need to do. 10% right off the top goes to God. You need to give your tithe to God, 10%. Second, I want 10%. I want it to go into your savings. You're going to save 10%. You're going to give God 10%. And then 10% is going to go into your checking account. And then, then you can use your rest of your money to spend. But we need to teach the younger generation some of them don't know how to utilize it. They don't know how to use their finances. They don't know how to use them well. They don't know how to use them in a smart way. Teach them how to manage their money, how to, how to write a check, how to save money, how to budget. Teach them how to live pure, how to avoid the temptation of pornography, and, and how to, to run away from that so that they can remain pure for their spouse one day. Teach them how to be a godly parent, how to raise their children, how to uh, do, do the things differently. Maybe you said, well, don't do that. But, but this worked for my kid. This didn't work for my kid. Teach them what they can do. Basics of life. The value of hard work. Psalm 71, 18 and 19 says this. It says, now that I'm old and my hair is gray, don't leave me, God. And, and I love this because the writer of this psalm has such a fire in him. He says, I must tell the next generation about your power and your greatness. Come on, church. Anybody have a story of God's power and his greatness? Come on. He brought you through something. You have a story to tell the next generation. You have something to communicate to someone about how God's power is real and how he is great. God, your goodness reaches far above the skies. You have done wonderful things. God, there is no one like you. He has brought us a long way. We need to pass our faith and communicate God's power and his greatness to the next generation. Remember this, church. Starting strong, well, it'll get you moving. But finishing strong is what gets you rewarded. Let's finish strong by being spiritual fathers and mothers to those who need that in the next generation. Second way we finish strong is to keep learning. Titus 2.2, again, Paul talking to Titus, says this. Paul, an older man speaking to Titus, a younger man, says, Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. I love that the fact that the Paul, an older man, is challenging a younger man to, to speak to the older men to help them remember that there's some areas that they still need to grow in. I don't care how old we are, we can never, ever stop growing. It's so important that no matter how old we get, we never stop learning, that we continue to grow in our wisdom. And Pastor Herbert is a great example for me in this. I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to, to serve underneath this wonderful man of God. And, 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 uh, and they're, they're, you know, we're about the same age, so I'm about a month younger than him. So he is, he is a month my elder. Hallelujah. And I have a little bit more gray hair than him, but sometimes it's not, it's not what you look like. It's the miles. He got more miles on me. He got more miles on me. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, he's further along, though, honestly, in a lot of areas. He is an amazingly great leader. And he's further along down the road in his leadership ability. And when I look at him and I see him continuing to be vulnerable about, about how he needs to continue to grow in his leadership, I'm amazed 
And I'm thinking, man, you're so far ahead of me in where you are as a leader, yet you are continuing to strive to keep learning, to continue to keep growing, not, not only as a leader, but as a pastor, not only as a pastor, but as a father and as a husband. And, and I look at that, and it, it kind of causes this desire in me to well up and say, God, help me to be someone that never, ever, ever stops learning so that I can experience all that you have for me. Because I haven't figured it all out. Now, now, maybe I'm the only one here. I know y'all have it all figured out. But I haven't got it figured out. And I've realized that I need to continue to learn and grow in everything that God has for me. Proverbs 1, 5 says this. The Bible has a biblical precedent for this. It says, a wise man will hear and increase his learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Wise people never, ever ever stop learning. I love how it says this in Proverbs chapter 3. Follow me with this if you would. Proverbs 3.13, it says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. We see it again, never stop learning. Why? And I love it because the writer breaks it down here. He gives you the why behind this. He says, for wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. It's more valuable than all the riches in the world. She offers you a long life. Wisdom helps you live a long and godly life. In her right hand, and in riches and honor are in her left. Financial stability comes from wisdom. She will guide you down delightful paths. It will keep you on the right path. And, 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 and not only that, all her ways are satisfying. So it's not only a good path, it is a satisfying path when you hold on to wisdom. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold tightly. Someone say tightly. Hold tightly to wisdom. This is something, church, hear me, that we need to hold on to daily. Wisdom is something that we need to grab a hold of daily. I don't know if you've ever met someone who, who you respected and, and, and thought of as a high-respected individual who was very, very wise, who made a dumb mistake, and it, and it cost them a lot. And you see that in leaders all throughout our society today, that they're, they, they're, they're men of, of renown, they're, 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 they reach a high level of authority, yet they make a dumb decision. They don't hold on to wisdom tightly and it costs them more than they really wanted to give. Finishing strong means that we must never, ever stop growing. See, starting strong will get you moving. But finishing strong will get you rewarded. The third way we finish strong is by leaving a godly le legacy. And Paul is talking now to the, first Corinth, uh, to the Corinthian church. And I want to read this passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this. It says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or of the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. And I love this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, this is a powerful statement he's saying here. He's saying, listen, look at me. Look at the legacy that my life is leading. I am modeling it after my Savior. Follow me and the legacy that comes behind me as I follow my Savior who has gone before me. He's saying, listen, if you want to finish strong, you need to leave a godly legacy. The definition of legacy, I looked it up and it said anything that's handed down 
from the past, from an ancestor or a predecessor, anything that is handed down. Church, let me ask you a question. What are you handing down? In the way that you're living, in the lifestyle that you lead, what is being handed down to the next generation? What are they seeing? What are they picking up? Even though you may be unknowingly handing it down, what are they picking up as a result of the life that you're leading? How, you, how will you be remembered long after you die? You see, I believe that we, we hand down a godly legacy when we do the right things, when we do things that people admire, when we do the things that inspire other people to do likewise, when we do the right thing no matter what, no matter how hard it hurts, when we do things that build people up. I think that, that we hand down a godly legacy when we're willing to try. I love Apostle the Apostle, uh, Paul the Apostle. He said, I try to do whatever I can so that some could, lives could be changed. We leave a, a godly legacy when we're willing to try to serve other people, when we're willing to try to do what others do don't do, when we're willing to try to get involved in church, when we're willing to try to be generous with our resources, when we're willing to try and invest in other people's lives, when we're willing to lay down our life that we might leave a godly legacy. You see, starting strong will get you moving, but finishing strong will get you rewarded. And God has a reward for those who are willing to leave a godly legacy. Now, as I finish up here today, church, I want to tell you a story and this year, we know that we have the Summer Olympics coming up very shortly. And in 1992, Summer Olympics, there was a, a runner by the name of Derek Redman. Now, Derek Redman, he was a 400-meter race, uh, Olympic racer from Great Britain. And actually, because he was such a good athlete, he was slotted to have a really, really good chance in, in obtaining a medal in the 1992 Olympics. So in the race right before the race that would determine who would be able to race for um, the, goal, uh, the, the medals in that Olympics that year, he was getting ready in the Olympics to run. And he was warming up, getting his legs, you know how they do that jump thing and kicking their legs and all that kind of stuff. He's getting warmed up, getting ready to run. I ran track, but not quite as fast as Derek back in the day. And he kind of got down. He was ready to go and gun goes off. Derek begins running. And he's doing an amazing pace for this race. And he's running and he's running and he's running. He begins to take the lead and about halfway through, he feels this, this something sting in the back of his leg. And he's thinking, what happened? And he, he, he comes up lame, and he's limping, and, he, and he, he's in such pain that he actually falls to the track. And he's laying on his back, and he's realizing, my Olympic dreams of getting a medal are over. Someone who had a real chance of making the Olympics. All he could think was, is I'm out of the Olympics. And tears began to stream down his face. And when this happened, his father, who was way up in the stands, saw that his son had fallen. And he realized, I gotta get down to my son. 
So he began running down the bleachers as fast as he could and, and move, maneuvering around people and trying to get down to the bottom as quickly as he could. And his son was laying there on the track weeping. Can't believe that it's over. When all of a sudden there were two medical crew individuals that came over with a stretcher. And I got to read this because I want to get this right. And Redmond, Derek Redmond says this to them. He says, no. There's no way I'm getting onto that stretcher. I'm going to finish my race. And then this will forever live in history in the Olympics. He gets up and he begins to, begins to run, begins to run. I'm, I'm going to finish my race. I know, I'm not, I know they've already done. They're already finished. Everybody else has passed me, and I'm not going to be in that next race, but, but I'm going to finish my race. And he begins to hobble a little bit, begins to go, and, 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 and one of the medical people come over, and they, they try to say, hey, man, you really, we really need to get you off of, of the track because you're injured. We don't want you to injure. He said, get away from me. i got to finish my race. Now, as he's kind of hobbling across the track, his father gets down to the bottom where the bleachers meet the track and his dad hops over the rail at the Olympics and he's dodging security guys. And he's like, and later, later he was asked, what were you thinking? He said, I was thinking I had to get to my son. No one was gonna stop me, church hear me. Nothing was gonna stop me from reaching my son. And he ran on that track and they tried to get him. He said, get away from me, I'm gonna help my son. And his son was continuing to limp, didn't know that dad was on the track. Kept, kept limping, kept, kept going and tears are streaming down his face and, and he was determined that, hey man, I'm in the Olympics, I'm gonna finish. I didn't come here for nothing. I'm gonna finish my race. And then all of a sudden, about 120 meters left, his dad reaches him puts his arm around his waist and says, son, it's okay, I'm here. We will finish this together. Church, I want you to hear me today. You might be limping. You might have pulled your hamstring in your life. You might be sore. You might be tired. But here's what I know is God's not finished with you yet. You need to get back up. You need to get back up. And if you got to hobble, if you got to hobble, you keep going. He is not done with you yet. He has called you to finish strong by pouring your life into somebody else. He's called you to finish strong by being a spiritual father or mother. Finish strong by never stopping to learn. Finishing strong by leaving that godly legacy. Church, get up again. I don't know where you are today. You say, Pastor Rob, you don't understand. I'm old now. <laughs> you got a father you got a father who's willing to help you. He will walk and finish it with you. You are not done. There is breath in your lungs, and God has an assignment for me and you today. He wants us to finish strong, church. He wants us to finish strong. I want to read this one more time from Paul the Apostle, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown 
of righteousness. Church, hear me. Starting strong will get you moving, but finishing strong will get you rewarded.